It's going to be wonderful. You ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Amen. Amen. Last week, we talked about uh, this chair over here. What did this chair represent? Comfort. It's our lazy boy. It's our easy chair. It's one of the most dangerous things in the church and in your life is when you get to a point that you think, I can just sit back and I don't have to do anything anymore. Uh, because we, 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 we get lulled to sleep. And the devil can do a lot of things when we're asleep. Amen? The Bible says to be vigilant, to be sober. Uh, we, we, we've got to be alert at all times. And so we're getting out of that easy chair and we're ready to make a difference. And so it, it doesn't matter what God is doing around you. I want God to do something in me. Amen? Am I too loud out there? Okay, I'm too loud up here, so I'm going to fix myself. There we go. Okay, so today we're going to talk about, we talked about last week, igniting our heart, doing away with the past. You cannot help what happened to you. You can't help what somebody said to you or did to you. But you've got, thank God for forgiveness. Thank God that we can be healed. Amen. We can let our past go and we've got to face our future. Somebody say, my best days are ahead. Amen. And so we want to just get, get ready today. And I'm going to talk to you today about the spark within. Before you can ever have a fire, you've got to have a spark. Amen. And last week, at the end of the message, I asked you on last week's notes, uh, there's, there's some lines on there that says, what bothers me? Now, what's the first thing, those of you who were last week, what's the first thing I told you not to write? Yeah, my name. Uh, It's not people that bothers us. And so if if you have that or if you can remember or maybe you haven't finished yet or you're you're still trying to find some things. And uh, but I today want us to stir up some stuff because it's out of what bothers you that you find out what you're called to. Because what you can't tolerate or what you will tolerate, you can't fix. You'll never change. But what you can't tolerate, what you can't stand, maybe God's calling you to fix it. Sometimes we got to fix it in ourselves before we can fix it in others. So many times we, as Brother Jim sees and he sees so many people in crisis. But what we've learned is that through our crisis, we learn how to minister to other people because it's amazing. When we go through things and we come through them and we overcome them, how many people God will put in your life going through similar situations? We'd never been through having a baby premature. We'd never been through riding to Dallas in an ambulance. We'd never been through ICU and all the things we went through with our kids and then with Haley with open heart surgeries and all that. And at the time, it was traumatic and it was hard and we were crying out to God, why? But do you know how many people we've gone to the hospital and they were about to make the same journey that we've made and now we pray differently. Now we can pray as Jesus prayed with compassion. I'm going to teach you today the difference in passion and compassion. Because we've been there. And I'm telling you, when you've been through stuff, you can help people going through stuff. Amen? 
Let's go. Come on. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1, 1 through 5. Just look up right there on the screen. It's in front of you. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates haven't, the gates have been burned with fire. Everybody go, hmm. It's amazing, you're just here on the right day. Come on, just keep using you. How many has turned on the TV and you saw where somebody's house burned down? You saw somebody burglarize. You saw an accident. You saw, uh, you, you saw the flooding. And we went, huh, that's bad. Click. But there's times. There's people who see that exact same thing you did. And they show up. In Houston, when the flooding happened, all of a sudden, you see fishermen. You see these rednecks all over East Texas. They've got their boats behind their truck and their jet skis. And they're not heading to the lake. They're heading to a place they've never been to go rescue people they've never known and never seen. And you see white guys rescuing black ladies and men and Spanish people rescuing whites and Spanish and black and white and black. And and there's no difference. It's people helping people in need. But there's a lot of folks that saw that and I didn't go to Houston. I didn't take my boat down there. I didn't. <laughs> Y'all stop laughing at me. I, you know what? It, different things move different people and different people get involved in different ways. But Nehemiah said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. What makes you cry? What moves you to tears? Is it when you hear of sexual abuse? Is it here you hear of of human trafficking? Is it when you when you watch politics and, and, and see them up there from every side? And you go, God, have mercy on us. Maybe God's called you to run for political office and make a difference. What makes you cry? What makes you weep? What bothers you? Nehemiah sat down and he wept. And for some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. 
What bothers you? You you need to identify the need, the passion, the compassion. What bothers you? Amen. As you made that list of things that bother you. Is it the homeless? Is it the hungry? Is it the poor? Is it the political arena? Is, Is it teachers? Is it firemen? Is it policemen? What is it that when you see... It causes you to have compassion and it causes you to weep and you mourn before the Lord and you say, I want to see something happen in that area. What's your particular response? He cried. He mourned. Over some walls. You see, we just came from Jerusalem a few weeks ago and we saw those walls. We saw piles of rubble. Rocks, big as buses, heaped up and piled. They're still there from when they were torn down. I don't know how many, how many thousand years, 500, the last walls that's there now. How old are they, the ones that are standing now around old Jerusalem? Anybody remember that came with us? 500 years. But there were some of the walls, and he, when he saw them, when I looked at them, I looked at that and I was going, how'd they even get those rocks over here? I didn't sit down and mourn and fast. I was just amazed at how big they were and how they put them up to start with. But Nehemiah is moved. Why? What was it? Why did it affect him that way? The guys that came and gave him the report... It didn't say they were crying over it. They weren't weeping over it. And they were from there. They just said, hey, man, things are a mess. The walls are torn down. The people, it's just a mess. And here's a guy 800 miles away that's moved and begins to weep and mourn and cry. So if you're taking notes this morning, uh, number one, God will ignite different things in people's hearts to fulfill His mission. Now, there's a key word right there. Anybody, can anybody pick it out? what's, What's really important right there? Say it louder. His. See, first of all, it's not your mission. We are about the kingdom of God and bringing the kingdom of God to pass. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If you're still trying to do your will and your plan, you're, you're, you're already messed up. Because he, is try, he needs people, he uses people to fulfill his mission. It's his mission and God gives different things into people's hearts. It takes different strokes for different folks. Amen? And so here he is living seven, eight hundred miles away from Jerusalem. I mean, it probably, it wouldn't have bothered a lot of you. It might have or might not have bothered me, I don't know. But it bothered him. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of mistakes people make. And isn't it amazing that when God moves something on your heart, has, it got, has God ever really impressed something on you? Got, you got stirred up and you told other people... And it didn't do nothing for them. They didn't jump on your bandwagon. And we respond a lot of different ways, don't we? We get mad at them. 
We get discouraged, whatever. But here's the deal. God didn't call everyone for the same thing. So you've got to find like-minded people because there are other people with your same passion and calling and love and uh, you, you, you get involved in that and you'll find people that are at it. But everybody's not going to get on your bandwagon. So first of all, if you're expecting everybody to get excited over what you're excited about or to cry over what you cry about, well, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> It takes a lot of people. I'm sure that Hananiah was passionate. I'm sure he was excited. And, but it was Nehemiah that wept. It was Nehemiah that fasted and prayed. It was Nehemiah that said, we got to do something about this. Number two, a vision birthed by God will always be larger than we are. If you can do everything God's calling tells you to do, it's not big enough. If what God's calling you to do, if you look at it and go, wow, that's possible, I can do it. It might not be God. Because normally when it's God's plan, we look at it and go, that's impossible. That's too big. I don't have the resources, the capabilities. I I can't do that. We look all through the Bible and the people God used to do great things, none of them could do it. But they did it because God helped them. And God says, if, if, if you can do it all by yourself, then you get all of the glory. And God wants the glory. Amen? If it, if it would have been easy, Nehemiah would have, I mean, you know, Nehemiah could have said, well, wow, that's terrible. Uh, man, I hope when y'all get home, things are better. I'll be praying for you. How many times do we do that? Huh? And tomorrow we forget about them. Let's look, at, let's look a little bit at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was in the wrong place. He was about 800 miles away from what was concerning his heart. Some of you are concerned about things right here in Tyler. Some of you are concerned about things on other continents, other countries, other states, other places. Nehemiah was, seemed like in the wrong place because he was about 800 miles from what was burdening and he couldn't just jump on a bus or an airplane or jump in his car and I mean, we're talking about major logistics to get from where I am to where the problem is. He was in the wrong position. <laughs> Nehemiah wasn't in charge of nothing. He was a cupbearer. He had no authority. He had one job. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you know Nehemiah or what a cupbearer does, but I tell you, I would not want their job. Nehemiah had one job. Taste everything before the king ate it to see if it had poison in it or not. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, Nehemiah did not enjoy one of his meals or one thing he drank. Because (laughs) there was fear every time. Because there was always people out to kill the king. And his job was to make sure that what the king got was safe. And it was good. I'm sure he had to go talk to the cook a lot of times. That's entirely too salty for the king. You're going to give the king a heart attack. You're killing me. That's too spicy. Too many jalapenos in that. Come on now. That wine's too cold. It's too hot. And so it was just a lot of little logistics he had to take care of. But one of the main cupbearers were expendable. Because if you drink it, We'll just get another one. I mean, you know. Now, I'm sure there wasn't a 
big long line of people going, ooh, I want to be the cupbearer. They probably just assigned it to somebody. (laughs) You're it. But I don't want to be it. You're it. He was in the wrong position. He wasn't in charge. So he was in the wrong place. He had the wrong position. And a lot of people would have said, you're the wrong person. And why, why didn't God call somebody from that area? Why didn't God... Some, because you see, he was not in charge of... He was not the head of construction. He had never, as far as we know, never built a wall. We, we usually think, well, God's going to... You know, God would use somebody that already has the talent and the ability and they're in the right place and the right time and they have the money and they have the authority. Maybe, but not necessarily. God's looking for somebody that has a heart and has a willingness and that bothers them. There's a lot of people that have the talent and the ability and it does not bother them that somebody's hungry or lost or discouraged or their walls are torn down. It seemed like he was the wrong person. But God looked at Nehemiah and said, you're the right person. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the right person for the job. Mother, Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa said it the best. Look what she said. Read it right there. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Did you get that? Not all of us will do great things, but we can all do small things. With great love. Amen. Number three. When God ordained, when a God ordained spark, everybody say a spark, ignites you, you can't help but get involved. When Brother Jim McKee stood up here and read all those things, I watched you, fires stood up. All of a sudden, man, I I know what that felt like. Sexual abuse, I know what that feels like. Being robbed, I I know what it feels like to come in and see all your stuff scattered and your your stuff gone and your money gone and your jewelry gone. and I mean, just the sick feeling. And and you, you can have compassion on people who are going through that same thing. See, all of a sudden God sparks something in you and you go, I know how that feels. And maybe you don't even know how it feels, but you just have compassion on it. And you say, I can, I want to get involved. There's a sense of urgency. Something must be done. Have you ever looked at something and said, that's not right? The sense of injustice. Something's wrong and I want to fix it. I I love the way the the New King James uh, puts this next uh, scripture. It says, moved with compassion. And so we see this all through the life of Jesus. And this is Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 41. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down and saying, if you are willing. See, there's a whole lot of people that don't know God's willing. And there's a lot of people that are not willing. But if, man, if people can get willing to go tell somebody else that God is willing, some things can be done. This leper said, I don't even know if you're willing. But if you can, make me clean. And Jesus was moved with compassion. And he stretched out his hand and touched him. And he said, I 
am willing, be cleansed. Come on, I'm not only willing, I'm able. And I'm not only able, because there's a lot of you sitting here today that you believe with all of your heart that God is able to do great things. You just don't think He's willing to do it through you. He'll do it through pastor. He'll do it through them and through them. But not me. That's why I started out earlier telling you that He's your God. It's your calling. It's your passion. It's your compassion. He wants to use, He's willing and able to use you. Amen? Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray the Lord of harvest. Send out labors into his heart. Who's willing to go into the field? Who's willing to go and do the hard things? Who's willing to get out of the easy chair of comfort and say, Hear him, my Lord. Send me. Amen? Come on, Jesus. He wants, to, he wants you to respond with compassion. God is he's calling us. Come on, get, get, get out of our easy chair. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Can you say that? Oh, by the end of this summer, by the end of this series, I want you to be able to say, Lord, there's such a fire burning in me. Come on, I saw a problem. I got ignited by a spark. And now next week we're going to flan the flames. And then we're going to be consumed. And then you're going to say, here am I. Pastor, here I am. Brother Jim, here I am. I mean, church leaders and, and church and, and the hungry and the poor. And then Sister Joan, here I am to help feed the hungry. Pastor Marcelo, here I am to reach out to the Hispanic community. Pastor Elias, here I am to reach the young people. Brother Cody, here I am to work with the young adults. How can I help? Here am I. Send me. What's the difference in passion and compassion? I think we've overused the word passion sometimes. Because we don't really know what it means. We think it means... That I, 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 I want to follow what's going to make me happy. I'm going to follow my passion. I'm going to do what makes me happy. But passion, the definition, has the root word in Latin, pati, which means to suffer or endure. Therefore, at the, at the, at the root of passion is suffering. What are you willing to suffer? Your passion is what you're willing to suffer for what are you willing to endure for others compassion means to suffer with it's it's not you that's hurting but you're willing to suffer with others who are it's not you that's hungry but you're willing to help those who are it's not you that's homeless or it's not you that's going through the crisis but you have compassion on them and you're willing to walk with them through it. Amen? It's a desire to step in on the behalf of those who are suffering in order to bear their burden. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a paraclete. He's one called alongside another to help. Jesus sent him to help bear our burdens. Amen? And he wants us to be that for others, we're making a conscious decision 
to suffer with them. Instead of asking, what would bring me enjoyment? And as Americans, we ask that a lot, don't we? How can I have fun? What, would, what can I do to enjoy myself? How can I relax? What we should be asking is, what work am I willing to suffer for today? Who am I willing to suffer with today? Who am I willing to help today? And it's going to come from that list of things that bothers you. Because those things that bother you may not bother somebody else. And those things that bother you, you're usually willing to suffer a little bit more with than others. Come on, real fulfillment in life only comes when we sacrifice ourselves for the good of others. Amen? Number four. True compassion will always lead to action. Everybody say true. True compassion. I'm not talking about driving down the road and seeing somebody broke down and uh, waving as you go by and go, good luck. Hope you hope everything works out for you. Compassion is when you go out of your way, take your time, maybe are late to your event to stop and suffer with someone else to help them in their need. True compassion always leads to action. It's more than, I'll pray for you. It's more than, oh, that's sad. It makes us do something. Jesus was moved with compassion, but then he didn't just leave. He didn't just go, wow, dude, I'm sorry you have leprosy. That must really be rough. See ya. No. He said, yes, I'm willing, and I'm able, and I don't care about all the social faux pas, and everybody says, I'm not supposed to touch you, and you're supposed to be hollering unclean, and I'm not supposed to get around you, and if I touch you, then I'm unclean, and i got to go, who cares about all that? I'm willing, and I'm able, be clean! And God did a miracle through him. But he had to overcome a lot of stuff going on. It moved him to action. Compassion moves you to action. Nehemiah had to do something. He couldn't just sit by idle. It causes, it causes a reaction that you can't quench. You just can't. It's just a gut gnawing feeling. You just can't get over it. If there's stuff that just keeps bothering you, maybe it's the Lord dealing with you. You hear about a need, you hear about a ministry, you hear about something. And many people can go, oh, that's wonderful, that's great. And they never think about it again. But I'm telling you, if it just keeps stirring in you, if it keeps bothering you, maybe God's calling you to get involved and do something about it. Here's some questions to help spark. The most fulfilled people on the planet are asking, what can I add? Rather than, what can I get? I'm telling you, some of the happiest people in the world are are, are those who give of themselves. They give. They're serving. They're volunteering. Why do do these people do that? Why do they go to the hospital? Why do they go to all these places and they volunteer their time? Why? Because it makes you feel good to help other people. It gets you out of your thinking about yourself all the time. And it's not about 
When I get, wait till I get to a place where I don't have any problems, then I'll minister. No, you minister in the midst of your problems. Because while you're ministering to others, God's ministering to you. While you're blessing another family, God's blessing your family. And if you'll be there for someone else, someone else will be there for you. It leads you to action. George Washington Carver. Look at this. He said, life begins the day we quit asking what we're supposed to do and begin asking, why are we here? Why am I here? Why, all right, what am I here for? Am I just here to be blessed today, to hear a good song, to hear a good... No, 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 no. You're here for a purpose. God put you here. You, he knew you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He called you by name. And He has a reason that you're here in 2019. Say, Lord, what is it? What, what, what bothers me? What's my passion? Come on, spark something within me. So I want you to get on that list. Keep working on it. It might be one thing, it may be a few things. But what moves you? What stirs a deep emotion in your heart? What fires you up? What gets your blood boiling? What creates an urgency of action? What wrong do you feel like you need to make right? And then do something. Numbers. Let me read this first. If you had the confidence, listen to this. If you had the confidence, the influence the resources, and the time to do anything to make this world a better place. I would... What would, what would you do? Because we always say that. Man, if I had the money, I'd do this. If I had the time, I'd do... But you know what? You can start small. See, if I had all the money in the world, I'd feed everybody in the world. But since I don't have all the money in the world, doesn't mean I don't feed anybody. No, I just feed who I can. I bless who I can. And it grows. What causes your heart to break? We're closing up. We're, we're coming to an end here. What causes your heart to break? Is it when you see children neglected, the elderly? Abused? Is it racial issues? Is it social issues? Is it a political issue? What breaks your heart? Here's another quote from Mother Teresa. They ask her, they ask her, when did you receive this calling to help the poor. You know what she said? I don't know that I ever did. I saw a need and thought I could help. Stop waiting on God to put a burning bush in front of you. To speak from heaven. To silence everything. And I mean give you an earthquaking call from God. And just find a need and fulfill it. Amen. Now, he may give you an audible call. He may tell you. He may guide you. But you know what? Every one of us can see needs, and we know how to fix them. Amen? What do I do? First of all, start with prayer. Nehemiah did. He wept. He prayed. He fasted. He sought God. God sparked something within him. And then he said, you know what? i got to do something about it. And uh, 
You, you, you need to go and read. The, I don't have time to read all the rest of that story. But you know what? He, he went, went to the king. He, he, he didn't have the finances, but he got them. He was passionate enough about it that other people said, Hey, man, that guy's got some. I can't go, but I'll help you. And then they went. And uh, was it easy to rebuild them? Oh, my goodness. There was one point, the Bible says, they had to fight. They had to have a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. That's rough, trying to build a wall and fight off the enemy at the same time. It's not, what God's called you to do is not going to be easy, but if God's called you to do it, you can do it. Amen? Next Sunday, we're going to talk about fanning the flames. Uh, God's, you, 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 you looked at last week, uh, kind of getting out of that easy chair. Uh, today, I hope God has sparked something in you. God's called you to do something. And uh, you keep working on that list of what bothers me. Keep that thing in your, in your Bible or in your car. Because I'm telling you, you'll, you'll, you'll drive down the road and something will bother you. <laughs> Somebody will bother you. And all of a sudden you go, you know what? I think I need to teach a course on how to drive. I don't know. Maybe I need to start, you know, teaching people how to use their blinker. I don't, I don't know. Whatever bothers you, maybe God's called for you. Y'all <laughs> stop pointing at people. <laughs> Thank the Lord. God's, I pray God's sparking something in you today. Amen? If He's your God, He's a God of passion and compassion. He loves you. And He wants to help you love others. He's met your need. He wants to use you to meet someone else's.